Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook. It's good to be together once more. Ephesians, the series continues. And Malcolm Ryan with A Pastor Talks. In the last few programmes here on Serving Today, Ray Tibbs has been taking us through the New Testament letter to the Ephesians. This is so that we can better understand it and then preach it to our people. And Ray is now going to tell us which section of Ephesians chapter 1 we're going to look at now with a suggested title for this particular talk. We're going to look next at Paul's first prayer for the church. There's a prayer later on, but these verses from verses 15 to 20 include some wonderful thoughts from Paul. His first comment is that he has heard about what is happening amongst them and he's very pleased. And that's what we read in verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Paul had known the church from its very earliest days and it was a great joy to him to know that it was maintaining its testimony to the truth which is in Jesus. He had heard that the inseparable connection between a living relationship with Christ and love for each other continued in all sincerity. He could say the same thing about the churches at Colossae and Thessalonica. You can see that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. So that's the first thing. Paul underlines his connection with the believers at Ephesus. What does Paul say or do next? Well, Paul thanked God for the church, and you can see this in verse 16. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That information Paul received prompted thanksgiving to God first of all. Whatever the Ephesians did to keep themselves in a good spiritual condition, it was a result of the grace of God in them. He had brought the church into being and he was continuing to uphold it. And is there a point of application here? Well, do you keep in touch with other Christians from your past? It was some time since Paul had visited Ephesus and he had not forgotten them. Have you forgotten Christians which were part of your past? You can thank God for the way in which he used them in your life and for the blessing that they brought to you. Sadly, though, sometimes the opposite is true, isn't it? As we think back to Christian friends we once knew, and there can be disappointment if they are no longer walking with God. Yes, that can be another benefit of keeping in touch with people from our past. 
perhaps helping them to keep faithful to the Lord Jesus, or if they become unfaithful, to learn not to follow in the pathway that they have gone. So Paul thanks God for the Ephesian church, and that brings us to his actual prayer for them. Yes, Paul prayed for them, as we see in these remaining verses from 17 to 20. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Prayer is a necessary companion to thanksgiving, that the work of God would continue. Such prayer was also regular, not occasional as far as Paul was concerned. As he prayed, Paul knew the rich majesty of the God whom he was addressing. And also he knew of his willingness and ability to answer those prayers through their relationship with Christ. And what was Paul doing through this, his first prayer for the Ephesians? Well, he wanted them, first of all, to have a better knowledge of Christ. Paul wanted the church to have a clearer and more complete familiarity with the person of the Lord Jesus. This was not a matter of more information, but a greater and deeper experience of him. It could only happen by the gift of God, through the Holy Spirit, as he gave them a greater insight into the spiritual perceptions that they had and could assess and apply the truth as well as recognising the work of God amongst them. The revelation of truth would be communicated to them by God. The priority for any church is that they would know more of Jesus Christ. And Paul made a similar request for the church in Colossae. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Why did Paul have this desire for the believers in Ephesus to know Christ more? The motivation behind such a prayer is that the greater knowledge of Christ would produce a deeper love for him, and that in turn would result in an increased obedience that would therefore bring greater glory to God. In verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays that the Ephesians would have a better knowledge of Christ. What else does he pray for them? Well, next, he prays for more understanding of the hope of their calling. Our calling as a child of God does not only affect present realities. There are future certainties in which we can expect to enter fully one day. This is our hope. The growing knowledge of God should lead to a greater knowledge of this. Our hope is defined as an inheritance, 
because it is ours by right as a gift from the Father. It has his character and is therefore rich and not meagre. It is exclusively for the saints and shared by them all. What's the final point for now in Paul's prayer? The other request of Paul is that Ephesian Christians should have a knowledge of God's great power. Our future hope may seem just as hazy as those offered by other religions, but our hope is guaranteed by the ability of God to deliver what he has promised. If he has raised Christ from the dead, then he can provide an inheritance for us. His power is active and dynamic, able to achieve whatever he purposes. It is part of who God is and not acquired from anywhere else. It is also supreme, being without equal and exercised to its fullest extent. His power has created that inheritance and also operates within us now to ensure that one day we will enjoy it. Thanks very much, Ray. And how would you bring this talk to a close? Well, this first chapter has been full of God. Those opening verses describing how the Trinity has produced and given to us salvation in the Lord Jesus. And then this lovely prayer. Is this your prayer for your church? That your church should have a deeper relationship with Christ? A stronger grasp of our hope? and a greater experience of God's power? Continuing with the theme of prayer, here's Malcolm Ryan with A Pastor Talks. A man was being chased by a roaring, hungry lion. Feeling the beast's hot breath on his neck and knowing his time was short, He prayed anxiously as he ran, Oh Lord, please make this lion a Christian. Within seconds, the frightened man became aware that the lion had stopped. When he looked behind him, he found the lion kneeling, with its lips moving in obvious prayer. Greatly relieved at this turn of events, and now eager to join the newly converted lion in prayer, he approached the mighty beast. As he drew near, He heard the lion praying, And bless, O Lord, this food, for which I am exceedingly grateful. Now, getting serious for a moment, isn't it true that we're inclined to have a very specific idea of how we expect God to answer our prayers? Yet, let's understand that prayer isn't about the accomplishment of our will, it's about seeking and trusting in what God wants simply because he knows best. Today you probably have concerns that you need to bring before the Lord. Maybe it's something to do with a challenging situation, such as an illness. Then again, maybe you're lonely, tired, or even unsure about what's going to happen next 
in your life? Well, God promises in his word, the Bible, that he's listening. As the writer of Psalm 55 declares, As for me, I call to God, and he hears my voice. And we can trust that he will answer our prayers in the best possible way, according to his will and our greatest good. In fact, God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. And when it's no or wait, before we get too annoyed, what we have to bear in mind is that we see only part of the picture, but God sees the big picture. That's why we need to seek his will when we pray, and not just our own. For as we read in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Our thanks to Malcolm Ryan. And with that, we bring our time to a close here on Serving Today. If you have any questions, do get in touch with us. Our details follow shortly. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we wait patiently on the Lord in our service of Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye.